We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. This is a special episode. We are doing a trade deadline GM episode. Normally, Scott and I have done this four or five years in a row in the offseason. And now that we have Logan and Ilya on board, we figured we could team up and do a, a trade deadline one. Last week, we, we talked about how this is potentially the biggest trade deadline of Brian Cashman's Yankees career. Uh, definitely biggest one since... 2016, maybe when he sold, 2017, when he made a lot of good moves. But this one, obviously, the team is in position to win the World Series. They're the odds on favorite to win the World Series at this point. You can't F this up, right, Scott? Like, you cannot F this trade deadline up. You also can't sit on your ass and just not do anything. You have to make a conscious effort to improve this team, even though we we have a very good... Uh, team as it exists the roster is in good shape as it exists however that 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 is a, a basically it, it just can't be you can't rest on that you can't rest on that you gotta try to move the ball forward and make this team even better uh even though you're you're flirting with some some big numbers in the win column so that's the other thing is that there there cannot be a rest period here and just say we're good we're in good shape right. yes we are but 
they could be better. And that's that's sort of the approach that Logan and I took. We'll, we'll go first. So put yourselves on mute so you're not even tempted to, to interrupt. And then we'll we'll let you lay out your plan. And then we can have a nice conversation, a nice, a nice civil conversation about each other's plans afterwards. A civil conversation. Yes. That's so that, that, Okay. Let's go. You guys that, go yeah, first. That, that was the approach we took. It's like, where are the areas that this team needs to upgrade? Where can they realistically upgrade? And what are they going to get the most value for? And as we've been identifying over the past month to month and a half on there, you know, as far, even though this team is the best record in baseball, they still do have some flaws. The number one area is obviously outfield, Joey Gallo. We've, we've, we've talked about this uh, a million times. Getting rid of Joey Gallo is the elephant in the room. It has to happen, even if it means eating money and acquiring a left fielder for uh, upgrade over Joey Gallo, even though he has not been playing left field recently. Acquiring a left fielder uh, or a defensively minded outfielder to upgrade was the first thing we looked at. The second thing we looked at was actually starting pitching depth. And I think uh, we did this because innings management with Cortez, Severino, Tyon are going to become a thing in the second half uh, much more. We've already seen them fade a little bit in June. Maybe it was because they were facing a little bit better of competition on the offensive side, but this has been... Rotation has struggled a little bit, so acquiring some starting pitching depth was the second thing we wanted to look at, and that actually changed uh, as Logan and I were going through this. Like originally, we were like, "Well, we got to acquire bullpen, bullpen, bullpen," and you look at the the guys in the bullpen. <laughs> it's not easy to upgrade Peralta and Marinaccio, who I know is on the IL right now, shut down. Obviously, King and Holmes have been excellent. You hope you can get Chapman and Lewisica back to 80% of their expectation or something. But it's not like you can just easily go out and upgrade the bullpen because the bullpen has been super solid. And then the last thing we we flirted with was a, a backup infielder. But again, the question is, are you even finding someone to upgrade Marwin Gonzalez? Or has Marwin Gonzalez been pretty good? Like, we kind of looked into his defensive metrics and much better than... You might have thought so. Marwin quietly has been providing them some value, um, or could we acquire a starting shortstop and then that shifts IKF into a more utility role, which I think he is equipped to do. He can play multiple positions. Um, so that's the last thing we looked at. Uh, not necessarily we didn't do all of those things, but that, that that was our approach. And of course, looking at the payroll currently, according to Spot Track, at two sixty two and a half million all in. So they they factor in all of the the benefit numbers and everything. So like the 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 final the final number. Yeah, Scott. There's an adjusted salary number in SpotTrack that we were using because I didn't put that's minor leagues, that's benefits. I don't think that goes against the actual tax threshold. It does, does it? if they're on for, it's total 40 man payroll for total luxury tax payroll. Yeah, but that but the number you're talking about also includes minor leagues. It, it includes a bunch of the, the number that that uh my understanding is that they were not over the, uh, that 250, so they were still under at 248 and change based on the spot track adjusted salaries. Adjusted. Go ahead, Logan. So I use Fangraphs, Rossi Resource, for uh, everything salary, and they have um, luxury tax payroll estimate broken down based on AAVs and salaries, and that number estimated luxury tax payroll is at 260. So it's a half a million okay. off. Um, and, and frankly, in, that's even better. If it's it, great. I know this episode is if it were up to us, we we go back and forth on this over and over again. It's like it's up to us, but also it needs to be based in reality a little bit because we don't want to make this such a fantasy yeah. that like it's not even applicable. 
So even though it's up to me, I tried to stay under that third penalty of 270 because I think that is something that yeah. the Yankees are going to try and do. Now, if it were... It's a 32%, so it's an extra 12% on the dollars that are and over that. And it's my understanding that there's some some draft implications as well. Yeah, I mean, we stayed yeah. under it as well, so um, moot point, but just curious right. as to like, which you know, you're If you want to take the approach of just blow it out the water and acquire salary and, and ask questions later, fine. Like more power to you. I'm not going to argue with it. But all right, let's get on to the moves. I, I'm really excited about this first move. We're making a trade with the San Diego Padres. And going to the Padres is Joey Gallo and his t- uh, full salary for the remainder of the 2022 season, which is about $5 million. Coming back to the Yankees is Blake Snell, who's about equal salary uh, to Joey Gallo. Makes t- $10 million for 2022, so pr- prorated to about $5 million. Now, the key question here is why would San Diego want to do this? They acquired Blake Snell. They extended Blake Snell. Like, why would they give up on him? He's not having a great season. When you use baseball trade values, and again, that's not the end-all be-all, but Joey Gallo actually has much more value than Blake Snell because Joey Gallo only is signed for this year. Blake Snell signed for $16 million next year as well. So the Padres would essentially be salary dumping him for next year, acquiring Joey Gallo, who they like. Their general manager likes. They were flirting with a trade with the Yankees for Joey Gallo in spring trading. A.J. Preller likes Gallo, tried to acquire him from Texas at last year's deadline. The San Diego Padres ranked 25th in baseball for outfield offensive production. Now, I know Joey Gallo's potentially the worst, been the worst uh, offensively productive outfielder in baseball this year, one of the worst. But, you know, maybe change of scenery type thing. He can get back to his Texas form. And the Yankees would be acquiring Blake Snell, who, again, not had a great season. His walk rate is way too high, 12.8%. His actual ERA is over 5, but his expected ERA is 3.72. And there's a lot of interesting stat cast numbers on him. His whiff percentage is great. His chase rate is solid. Fastball spin rate is excellent. Uh, fastball velocity is good. And his expected batting average and slugging allowed are, are both pretty good as well. So I think Matt Blake could... could take a crack at him and, uh, and and improve him. And again, the Yankees, you know, for this year, you're trading salary and you're you're taking on full Blake Snell salary for next year. Logan, would you like to add anything to that trade? Yeah, not much. Other than um, what's cool about Blake Snell is I think his stuff could actually play up in the bullpen when the playoffs came around. Um, they kind of were, I was, they were talking about Blake Snell on MLB Network and how he's kind of the same old story, you know, 105 pitches through four and two thirds and, you know, probably has eight strikeouts, but, you know, he might have given up three or four runs and he's just, you know, his stuff could play up, but he can eat some innings later on. And, um, yeah, I think that walk rate just kind of screams, you know, Matt Blake can kind of tinker with some stuff and, you know, get that fastball and maybe give him some kind of, you know, cutter sinker like we know they love to do and make him... Dominant again. This is my vow to the podcast. If the Yankees do acquire Blake Snell, I promise not to make fun of him every episode. I'll make fun of him a lot of episodes and refer to the I Gots to Get Mine uh, little Twitch thing he was doing, whatever the hell he was doing. But I won't make fun of him every, every episode. Next trade we're doing is with the Royals, and we're acquiring Andrew Benintendi in exchange for Luis Heal and Estevan Florial and potentially another low-level prospect if it's going to take that. However... 
Uh, I think between Hill, which teams are asking for, despite the fact that he's had Tommy John surgery, and Florial, who doesn't really have much value to the Yankees anymore, but maybe is a lotto ticket for Kansas City in the outfield, might take another prospect, but that, that's totally fine. Benintendi's a free agent after this year, having a great season. Going to make about $4 million for the remainder of the season. Uh, right now, he's got a uh, 314, 380, 400 slash line and only strikes out 13.5%, so he's essentially the anti-Joey Gallo. And he's a career 838, or excuse me, 823 OPS hitter at Yankee Stadium. Left-handed bat could play at Yankee Stadium. Um, also flirted with potentially trading Domingo Herman. Really, we were looking at like what, got, what 40-man roster guys might the Yankees want to be clearing as we approach the uh, Rule 5 tr- uh, uh, draft at the uh, after this after the season ends because they did not have a Rule 5 because of the lockout this previous year. There's going to be a lot of Rule 5 discussions going on uh, after the season ends. Florial is a guy that uh, you know has to be cleared, I think. Heal, you could hang on to Heal, but if you can get value for him right now, even though he has an injury, do it. And Herman like come becomes completely expendable if you do acquire Blake Snow. Logan, anything you want to add there? Just the idea of Andrew Benintendi hitting home runs against the Red Sox in Yankee Stadium sounds like a match made in heaven. Plus, like I think, like he's a good yeah. fit for the lineup. Like he kind of profiles as that, you know, where we, you know, profile DJ or you know even an IKF. I think he definitely has a little bit more power than IKF. Who doesn't? But you know, I just I I think he fits the lineup well. Whether that be top half, whether that be six seven hole, I think. To and we try to do a target left-handed outfielders because literally the only redeeming quality of Joey Gallo is that he bats left-handed. And so keeping that lefty-righty balance in the lineup uh, it w- was what we tried to do. And the last... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Especially, especially after the deadline last year where they went all in on we're not just going to be all right-handed, we're going to go get Anthony Rizzo, we're going to go get right. Joey Gallo just for the balance because for 2020, 2019, they were... You know, five. What what did Luke Voigt call them? Um, I forget. I forget what he called them. But he just they were yeah. all the same. You know, they were slow. They were right handed. Yeah, they were swinging that? at slidings down and Gor- away. Did you call them like gorillas? And or something? Um, like some donkeys? donkeys came to my head. Yeah, I don't think that's right though. Yeah, Luke Voigt was king of the donkeys. And then the last move we're making is we're acquiring Chris Stratton from the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's a relief pitcher. Um, kind of very weird, uh, weird stat cast numbers. So. When we were looking at this, his his chase rate, whiff percentage, fastball spin, curveball spin, all really, really good, but his actual numbers are pretty terrible, and fastball velocity not great either. This would essentially be just uh, a giveaway for the Pirates who want to offload some salary. He's making about $1.3 million for the rest of the season. He's arbitration eligible next year. Uh, we can get this done for a player to be named later. P-T-B-N-L is uh is what we're trading him for this is bullpen depth maybe matt blake can get his uh pause on stratton um to to fix him so this impacts the yankees payroll by about call it 5.3 million total plus four million dollars for benintendi plus a million three for stratton gallo and snell are a wash for salary this year and obviously snell plus 16 million next year Brings the Yankees payroll to between 267 to 68 million, which is a couple million dollars under the third penalty. Um, and some other moves, just, you know, 
wrapping up here. Some other moves we looked at, obviously, D-Rob, Hap, Chris Martin from the Cubs. We stayed away from that, you know, for the sake of the podcast because we figured that's what you guys are going to be doing. Uh, Briefly flirted with David Peralta and Madison Bumgarner from the Diamondbacks. That would have been interesting. Um, Could not figure out how we could possibly trade enough prospects for Brian Reynolds from from the Pirates uh, without giving up, obviously, Volpe and and some Dominguez. Uh, It's hard to get there. And then I also briefly looked at Jose Iglesias from the from the Rockies, but but ultimately decided that Marwin Gonzalez has been pretty solid, and that's our plan. Those three moves. Okay. Now let's get to what's actually going to happen. Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. No, those are solid. Let's react to them first before we get. Uh, into oh, you want to react? Okay. The next one. React. Or do we want to? Or do we want to? Well, okay. We know we'll lay it out. We'll lay ours out first because uh, there was one move that was the same. Oh, wow. um, actually pretty close as far as the trade value too. <laughs> so we use the, uh, that trade values website just to use as a barometer, understanding it's not perfect, but it helps you get to a certain point looking at the different, um, at the different prospects and making sure that you're, you know, in the ballpark for, um, value. So the first thing I'll, I'll just, uh, talk about our approach. So we looked at the, the areas that, uh, we believe needed addressing. And, and like you guys, we, we saw the outfield, we see Mr. Joey Gallo, um, staring us in the face and, uh, I'm sick of it. Sick of, sick of him staring me in the face, frankly. Uh, I think he's a bad fit for this team. Always thought he's a bad fit for this team. Turns out he's a bad fit for this team and doesn't, doesn't help, uh, the team progress. Uh, so that was one area we were looking at, um, you know, I've been trying to get David Peralta on this team for for like two years, three years now. Um, I actually went away from that, but I do think that's a, an interesting um, place for for them to go because I think that he's going to be dealt and it's a, an easy contract. The next thing we looked at is is bullpen. I, I think that there are areas to improve the bullpen, if not just bolster it. And um, going into the playoffs, making sure that that roster is tight. And has the ability to be flexible and dominant in certain areas. And I think that there's areas that can be upgraded um, within that. And then the final piece was starting pitching. Uh, thinking that this is an area that we, there's a there's an opportunity to get better. Um, but probably not with like a, a, a you know, a, ch- a chance guy. So um, I'll, I'll talk about where I potentially disagree with what you guys are doing and, and more so for what this team needs. Um, we'll talk about that afterwards. So let me get into the actual deal. I'll start with the the overlap here. Any, uh, before I, I do that, approach wise, Ilya, anything else you want to add to to kind of what we were looking at? Because we we debated a certain a number of things, and I think that you know each of us, you know, he definitely swayed me to his side on a couple of things, and I think um, one a couple of things that um, you know I got Ilya on. So we found some nice middle ground on on how we were going to balance this out. Yeah, I think, you know, the past, I mean, obviously last year they made, they made the deals they did, but the years before that, they, they weren't doing much, whether Cash was saying, you know, the op- options just weren't there or the team just didn't seem, you know, like a sure thing. Whereas this is the team, you know, to double down on. We got the prospect depth for it. Um, I mean, you, you'll hear it. We, we, we're giving up quite a bit. We're making some big moves. This is really, really the team, but we're also still keeping a lot of our, a lot of our top guys, you know, so I think there's a way to really, there's no reason why this team shouldn't, shouldn't win at all. So the, you know, the team, the interesting thing about the minor leagues right now, if you look at it, the depth is, is the strength, is the, the, I mean, the top is very strong, but the depth is also very strong and we're not prospect hugging. I think we've, 
we've learned that that doesn't work. And if you look back, even last year, there were a number of prospects that were that were dealt. Like there was a good volume of guys that were the the the, the depth changed very much. So it rebooted um, after what Cashman did. The other thing we were looking at is precedent and the types of moves that Cashman has made in the past. Understanding that you know certain guys he likes to see control. Um, kind of looking into the future a little bit and who's becoming a free agent. Um, so all these things came into. Can play. I say one quick right, thing so, about the prospects? The jumping off to what you just said. Sure. I agree that sure. the, the depth of prox- prospects was really impressive. And then if you use that baseball trade values website, which you're exactly right, it's a good barometer. A lot of the values are between like three to six. They don't have a lot of those like 15 to 20 value, pro- other than obviously Volpe. Even Dominguez, I think his value on there was only like 12 or 14 or something like that. And I don't see yeah, a world wrong. in which they trade Volpe, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know if you guys are going to end up trading yeah. Volpe, but I, I can't envision a world where they trade Volpe. So otherwise, you're just, I, you don't really, see, you know, unless a team that you're trading to loves and covets a specific guy, you're you're basically just trading a lot of a lot of guys that add up. And sometimes that doesn't get deals done. So that's how we landed on our prospects that we traded. But go ahead. I will say though, when you're when you're adding a volume and you're looking at the volume, the, the depth is strong. That's the thing. It's not just random dudes that that are filling a a uh, a trade proposal out just to get some numbers in there. They're, it's a strong depth, and it's so, more chances right. for the trade to work out for that other team. If you're trading, yeah, exactly. three or four guys, and, and you miss on one or two, it's it's le- it's easier to swallow than if you just get that one blue chipper. You will miss out. You will miss out. That, that's yeah. the that's the understanding. Prospects, right? you, you're you're doing that so that one of them hits. Success rate is so low on prospects. Right. Okay. Mute your mute your microphone and shut up. Here we go. You ready? Number one move, Andrew Benintendi. We also went the same route. He is the anti Joey Gallo. Thirteen point thirteen percent strikeout percentage is is where my eyes went and just like yes, I love that. He's an above average defender. Slots in uh, plays. You know, can play left field. He could probably play. He's a corner outfielder. Um, and yeah, I like the fact that he. He is a, was supposed to be the guy for the Red Sox. Didn't work out. Let's throw some salt in the wound. Bring him to bring him to the Yankees. I got no hate for him. He's a royal now at this point. Come in. He actually fits this team very well. Lefty bat. Um, I was. We were looking at three outfielders. It was between. Um, it was between Benatendi, Happ, and Peralta. Those are the three guys that we were looking at. Peralta, all of them have a similar number uh, as far as the salary you're looking at for this particular year. Hap has another year of control. Peralta and Benatendi are both free agents. Um, I I think that they would rather, you know, just get someone that's a good fit for right now, and and then figure out the outfield uh, the outfield later. So that trade was uh, Andrew Benatendi, and in fact we had the same, very similar Luis Heel. Uh, and we had um, Wesneski in there, Hayden Wesneski, who is a, he's the number seven prospect. He is number nine right now. That ended up being uh, a bit of an overpay if you're looking at the value uh, from the Yankee side um, and added $4 million. So that's uh, that's the first deal. Second thing we did was we went to the bullpen and looked at the, and Ilya, you got anything more on Benintendi? No, I mean, he's just, he's, his bat to ball skills are really there. Yeah. Um, and that's clearly what we're missing in that spot. That's what so, we need. Could you, uh, you know, imagine it's a good all of the bat to ball? To, if like you take every at bat from Joey Gallo and then just like look what would happen if you made contact? <laughs> just contact. 
Yeah. You know? It's also nice that he has experience in the AL East. He's comfortable in the ballparks. He's got the postseason experience. He's a yeah. good good guy to Some would say there. he's not comfortable in the AL East, but, oh. but yes. Uh, I, like, I like the rebound <laughs> effect. Um, all right, so then we went and we're looking at the bullpen because there are areas to improve. And, and there's a lot of unknowns as well. And I, I, I throw all this chat, but in this, I don't know what, what's going to happen bucket. Um, you know, guys like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Mari- Mariachi, Marachino Cherry, whatever we're calling him today, Marianachi, he is, uh, has been doing well. Obviously, the dead arm doesn't seem like it's a concern for the Yankees, but you never know. It's a young guy coming up, throwing a lot more innings than he's thrown in the past. There's just a, a, a clear amount of unknowns in there. And we're going back to someone who is not an unknown. He's a very much a known quantity. And yes, you're right. We did it. David Robertson coming back to the Bronx. He's actually, if you look at the market, he, he might be one or two in the, in the top guys that are available right now. And when you're looking at him, he's $1.5 million for the rest of the year. Easy. It's such an easy move. And what I think, this is, Ilya and I were talking about this, like, no, there's no trade clause in his contract, but he's a 37-year-old vet. If you don't think that the Cubs front office is talking to him a little bit, like, where do you want to go? And then going to that team, if there's a fit in prospects, like if you can fit what they're looking for, I could see them, you know, factoring that into some capacity because the area that uh, with prospects and and the way that this works, nobody's getting uh, anybody good for David Robinson. You're going to get, you're going to get some lower level guys, but it's going to be the lower level guys that you want. The ones that you like a lot, that's who, who will get the deal done. Most likely it's like, okay, you have three prospects. The Yankees have three prospects. The Red Sox have three prospects and the Dodgers have three. Which three prospects do I like the most? Because that's what it's going to come down to. And if you can fit that bill, and then David Robertson's like, you know what? If you can make it work to go back to the Yankees, that's where I'd love to go. And I, you know, I think that that does come in when you're talking about veteran players, especially in in baseball. So we got, um, and I'll let Ilya talk about the the hall here. Because uh, go ahead, Ilya. Who, yeah. Who so up? we're giving up two uh, low level guys. The first one is a, uh, it's a lefty pitcher, uh, Edgar Barclay. He's a, he's our 30th ranked prospect. Um, he's in high A, he's 24 years old, but his ETA is next year. And he's just one of those, you know, those arms that everyone thinks they can do something with. Um, you know, the scouting report looks great, but he's still the 30th ranked prospect. And, um, and then we threw in another, another, uh, low level guy outfielder. Uh, I'm going to mess this up, but rhyme for Salinas. Um, he's in single A ball. Um, he's not a ranked prospect, but the two of them together, according to the baseball trade value website, it is a slight overpay, which is something we did with, I think pretty much all of our trades. Yeah. Just, just to, to get there. Account for competition. And, um, but the and two honestly of, throw a third one in there from, you know, someone that they like, Yeah, maybe even a fourth for someone that they like lower in the, in low A, it doesn't matter. Just get the deal done. Uh, it's, it's basically that, that's, that's the type of trade that's going to happen. Um, okay. So we, uh, that adds a 1.5 million. So we're at what, five and a half right now. Um, and the next move again, going back to the bullpen, because I believe that's an area that can still be upgraded. This is where we, so the next two trades are, are, are significant trades. These are, these are the, uh, the, the, um, the bigger haul I'd say that, that we're giving up. We are going to. Uh, Motor City to Detroit. And we looked at a couple of different people here. We looked at um, 
It was actually between David Robertson and Michael Fulmer was also a guy because he's got some really good splits right now. He's having a great season out of the bullpen. He's also in a similar in a similar situation as Robertson in the sense that he's got, I think, a very cheap contract. It's like a four, $4.5 million contract total uh, for the season. And he's a free agent. He's an ensuing free agent. That guy's been talked about uh, at nauseum. Um, but instead of, we went with Robertson instead because I think uh, getting a two-man deal uh, from Detroit makes it overly complicated. And we went with our guy, Gregory Soto. Gregory Soto is um, is controlled. He's he's uh, he's you know one of the one of the top uh, relievers in the league right now. He's in the in the closing position right now for the Tigers. Take that with a grain of salt. It's the Tigers, but he's in that but he's in that spot. Um, and we gave up uh, a pretty good amount of prospects here. We gave up uh, Trey Sweeney, number six prospect, uh, Brock Seller, uh, Selvidge, who is number fourteen. Justin Lang, 22, and Elijah Dunham, who's a 26-ranked prospect, um, to to get Gregory Soto. That's again the the commonality between us. This is a a, a slight overpay, but it's a a, a pretty uh, decent match here. Um, but yeah, we, that that's that is a sig- significant upgrade. That's a clear upgrade, and I think that's what the Yankees need to do. I, I think that they're this middle ground area for Cashman this year is not really that place because they have so many guys currently on the roster that are in that middle ground that I think they have to make clear upgrades if they're going to do it. So Ilya, anything more about Soto? This is, this was, um, this was a move that Ilya was, uh, was defending and, and pushing for. And I, I came around because I think it's a good move. Yeah. I kind of just felt getting Robertson as a rental and then another rental bullpen arm didn't seem like a Cashman move. Um, I know he likes, uh, you know, Robertson makes sense as a rental, but I think a second rental, um, you know, would, wouldn't, wouldn't be a move he'd make. Uh, Gregory Soto was an all-star last year, left-handed pitcher. Um, like you said, he's got the control. He's not a free agent until 2026. Um, he's not making anything. He's basically league minimum. Um, it's funny. His, uh, his baseball savant chart actually doesn't, uh, Looked that great. You know, the average exit velocity this year, hard hit, walk percentage, chase rate. It's not that uh, that great on the baseball savant chart. But, uh, you know, he's still having a good year. Um, I think he's he's more, he's kind of in between where he's not that veteran, veteran guy, but he's kind of proven it at the big league level a little bit, where I feel more comfortable, whereas we don't know what's going on with Britton and Chapman, Luizaga. You know, he comes in as that proven lefty arm, but he's still on the younger side and has the control, which uh, seems like a sneaky little Cashman move. There. If you look at the if you look at the precedent here, going back to, to uh Holmes from last year, there it's a similar, you know, uh control in the arbitration year, similar it's a similar move uh in in what he's done in the past. So again, we were kind of looking at some precedent to see where um where Cashman is improving the team this year, but also not sacrificing the future and looking at what the future roster would look like. Uh, and that's what this next move, the, this is this is our, I, I think our, it's, it is our biggest move as far as prospect hall. Um, and we're getting a starting pitcher and we're going down to the former Derek Jeter-led Miami Marlins. And we are acquiring Pablo Lopez. Pablo Lopez is a guy that, uh, starting pitcher, who uh, was on the block. He's been a lot of rumors in the offseason with the Marlins looking to move him. Um, he's had a, a very good year. And also controlled. This is a guy that that now slots into a Yankees rotation that may very well be missing Jamison Tyone next year. We looked at that because Tyone is in uh, 
a pending free agent. If they can get a guy that's cheaper and more controlled, uh, I think that that's a really good move for them to potentially replace him rather than pay Tyone. I could see Cashman doing something like that just to kind of manage the the payroll a bit. Um, so we're giving up pretty good haul here. He had a 46.8 uh, value on the trade values website. So you got to get there. And we're giving up shortstop uh, Peraza. We're giving up uh, uh, Everson Pereira, Luis Medina, and Randy Vasquez. So that's Peraza's number two. Pereira is our number 10 prospect. Medina's 11. And um, Vasquez is number 15. This is all This is all opening up roster spots on the 40-man as well. Um, but we got one more move. We got one more move. I'm going to let Ilya set this one up. We had to... Uh... We had to get rid of the uh, the uh, the big the big bat with a hole in it, Joey Gallo. <laughs> we had to get rid of Chris Carter. Um, yes, and we're we're we uh, I the Brewers is where we're we're going with um, who 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 can ha- who has the appetite for a Chris Carter? Milwaukee Brewers. It's the Brewers. Uh, you know they're desperate for offense. Uh, maybe they can catch something with Joey Gallo. Who knows? So. Um, we were. Lo- I was looking originally to see, you know, what contracts we could swap, but uh, I nothing really seemed at, at that point. I'd rather just eat the Gallo contract, honestly. Um, so I found a uh, left-handed pitcher. He's similar to the guy kind of that we're giving up for Robertson, Edgar Barclay. His name's Antoine Kelly. He's uh, he's in the Brewers system. He's in a high A. Um, and same deal, his ETA is 2023, I think. Um, he's got the stuff, looks like a, a Matt Blake kind of guy. We'll see. His The baseball trade value actually has him less than Joey Gallo. Um, but we figured uh, we want the Brewers to take take that catch. Because we don't think that's actually accurate. Yeah. Um, so we're, we have Milwaukee eating it, eating his salary. Um, they're in a fine shape with the luxury tax. And uh, just to sweeten it a little bit, we're throwing in our good friend, Albert Abreu, who actually So Albert Abreu and Joey Gallo for uh, a prospect in the way, and you're eating the contract. Milwaukee's eating the contract. They're getting the better of the deal as far as the uh, production right now. They're in a place where they do need some offense. If they can catch some lightning in a bottle with Joey Gallo, if they can fix him, they've got some guys that they've fixed. Uh, or the or, or, or guy Rowdy from uh, from Toronto that you know has all of a sudden has this resurgence with the bat. So they feel like just like we can we can fix pitchers. I think that Milwaukee thinks that they can fix some bats, and Joey Gallo could be a uh, much needed power bat that comes into their um, their place. And again, we're just really dumping the salary, getting a low level guy, and giving them also another uh, con- potential contributor with with Albert Abreu. Um, to to sweeten the pot here. All of that said, that gets us to a 40-man situation where we have uh, traded away seven. We have acquired four. So we actually have three open spots on the 40-man that we could use for protection for the Rule 5 for next year in our own damn system. So that is uh, where we are. We actually were, were playing with a, a, a luxury tax number of uh, 248, uh, trying to keep it under 250 just in case we were and we actually, it's, it, I think we were at a plus 1.8 million if you look at all the deals that we had because we're going after, we're, we're spending in uh, prospect value more than monetary value. And I, that is that is what Cashman likes to do. He does he does tend to do that more um, and, uh, and and tries to, you know, keep that keep that tax uh, number in, in check as much as possible. So, so I think all these are relatively doable and 
I'm fired up about the new Yankees because they're going to win the World Series with these boats. How much total payroll are you adding for all those guys? 1.8 million. Uh, with Milwaukee eating Joey Gallo's deal. Um, I mean, but, it, it was yeah. like... It's actually a little less no, than no, that. No, it's got to be, it's gotta be more than that, though, because Benintendi's got like 4 million. Four. Right. Mm-hmm. And so... Robertson so, has 1.5. Okay. Gregory Soto is three three fifty. Uh, Pablo Lopez has one million, and uh, and we're and then we're subtracting oh, so, so, five. Okay, so then five the to deal. five for Gallo minus five for Gallo. Got it. Got it. Got it. Even I mean, cut the uh, originally I was trying to get it where we're where we're only shipping out half of Gallo's contract because I think they would do that. So if we're low on our number, and again we are, we're under two fifty still. Um, and if we're if we're already over two fifty in real numbers for the tax, then it doesn't matter. We're we're well under two seventy. If that's if that's truly the number. So that's why I said it's kind of a moot point because we were trying to keep it under two fifty at that point. Um but yeah, it's manageable. It's a lot of it's a lot of uh, a lot of prospect value here. So in the end, the Yankees definitely gave up a good amount of prospects. They're number two, six, seven, nine, ten, eleven, fourteen, fifteen, twenty-two, twenty-six, and thirty prospects. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Okay, so... <laughs> You guys are living in quite the fantasy world, I think. That's all. That's a lot of moves. I was looking at. I was looking at Soto's Statcast numbers. Yeah, not good. It's got like a two forty ERA, but but over a four over a four expected ERA. Um, but that's not to say he couldn't be fixed, as you know, Stratton on our plan is is being fixed. That is and that, Snell and Snell and your plans. You're fixing Blake <laughs> Snell also. 
Well, Snell has a lot of good stat cast numbers, and Snell has won a Cy Young. <laughs> so, I mean, so is Madison Bumgarner. So do None of us are acquiring Madison Bumgarner. I said we flirted with Madison Bumgarner. That's it. Um, you didn't like it when you flirted with him. I guarantee it. The uh, that's a that's that would be like one of the most moves at a trade deadline. I feel like any team has ever made. Like that's a lot of roster shuffling. So you are. I mean, go last year. They they made they made a, a good amount of moves and they shuffled a lot of prospects. Yeah. If you look back, there was a lot. There were some small moves too. Don't forget the Louis Sessa move was done. That's essentially Gallo. The um the and then and then Holmes. There were that's four right there. So you you accounted for the forty man roster stuff, uh, but I don't know that you're you're accounting for the major league roster. How are you going to fit four? new major league players on this roster with only removing one the 25 yeah so there's a, there's some assumptions in here with the with the bullpen you're gonna have to swap out some bullpen guys who are you swapping out i mean fine you, you swap out you swap out but like that's the same issue we ran into when you start running down the numbers like a if lot of these guys Soto, don't you a lucas licky someone like that could 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 also be falling off the off the wagon there are guys that you you just there are injuries that are happening. Like, there's plenty of room for what we're doing. Gallo's gone. Is a one to one there. Got. You also have to assume, though, that you know how the Yankees are. They want a spot or two in the bullpen that is able to be shuttled up and down. You know, when you know they have a long game. You know, right now we have JP Sears and Ryan Weber in the bullpen. You know, obviously we're getting. But lasagna. that was based on injury because of injury. Yes, 100%. But when they, before the season started, they were going to DFA Albert Abreu had they not traded him for Trevino because they needed some, they needed that spot to be open because otherwise every player in the bullpen couldn't be sent down. And then what happens if there's a long game? What happens if the starter gets knocked down and they need another pitcher? They're kind of stuck. So, you know, that's a little bit problematic there, in my opinion. Well, I agree. Yeah, the, the the major league roster shuffling was a thing we tried to be conscious of because we started to go down the list of the bullpen arms, and there's really not many that even deserve to come off the roster. And then when you're talking about, okay, well, we'd be adding D-Rob, adding Soto, I, I like, fine, I, I like those two players. I especially like David Robertson. Legitimately, the only reason we didn't have him in our plans is because I knew he was going to be in your plans and didn't want to have the same freaking plan up and down. It's kind of ironic that we both had Andrew Benintendi, so I guess... The Yankees have to acquire Andrew Benintendi because we basically had the same trade for him. And I agree. I would love that move. Um, to, to upgrade it's a no-brainer move. It really players. does fit. It fits beautifully. It, it does. It fits beautifully in the type of player that he is. So if no doubt about if it. If we're talking about like morphing our two plans into something that would be the ultimate plan, Benintendi as the centerpiece on the, on the offensive side, acquiring him. And then, you know... Whatever they do in the rotation of the bullpen, remember, if they do acquire Lopez or if they do acquire Blake Snell or any starting pitching, that means one of the existing rotation guys can move to the bullpen or that guy that they acquire can move to the bullpen. So again, with your plan, you're adding all of these guys and like there's legitimately not enough places on the roster for them to to pitch. This I mean, team... Are. This They're team on. is one of those teams where, where I think it's one of those deals where you figure it out. There's going to be another injury. There's going to be another Fine. setback. Yeah. And I'd rather, this is the team. I know the Yankees like to have those spots, but when it comes yes. down to the last month or two of this season, 
Yes. This team should have those lockdown, steady guys. There's no reason if they can have them that it shouldn't yes. be locked down and you steady. Can, you can play year. Legos and and act like this thing is a Jeep up until a certain point in the season, but this is a this is a a primed championship level team. There's no dicking around with like some some guys just for flexibility. You want to solidify as much as humanly possible. The other thing about this is that when you're looking at a um a pitcher move. I'll, I'll disagree with your Snell move a little bit here. I they they don't need to get an unknown quantity right now. First of all, I don't think San Diego's trading. We were looking at San Diego for if 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 San Diego is is out of it, like maybe Snell's not uh, a move that that says I'm giving up. That's probably not a move. Musgrove would be that move. Musgrove is actually on a contract year. He's he's a free agent next year. We were looking at that. I'm like, you know, I hope the San Diego Padres go on like a 12 game losing streak here so that they can attack uh, Joe Musgrove. Because that's the guy to go after, honestly. And, you know, assuming that everybody else on the planet, if they did this exercise, they would have Luis Castillo in there instead of Snell and instead of uh, Pablo Lopez. But frankly, we were just sick of talking about him in, a, in, in, a, in, in attachment to a trade. I could see that going down as well, though, because of the, uh, the free agency. But I think that they need to clearly upgrade. They need to clearly upgrade that spot if they're going to go into that spot. And a guy like Snell, to me, isn't a clear upgrade. Whereas a guy like Lopez is a clear upgrade and there's control there, understanding that Tyone will be a free agent and they're probably not going to pay him with uh, with all things equal, you know, with the, with the, and this, it's a very cashman move. Set this up, you, the future up a little bit, get a guy that you can tinker with and even improve, but also has good success. So that's I where think, we went with, with Lopez. I think the Tyone we, we thing really, that one for a bit though. The Tyone thing really comes down to judge, I think. I don't know if it's 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 a matter of how long is the judge contract gonna take and Tyone might might get sick of waiting around. Uh or we may not have the money for him. So I mean, they might just that decide that there. Tyone is not the guy they want to to sign long term. I mean that, that could also yeah. just be right. Especially if they get a guy in the in the in the I uh, mean, yeah, so you acquire Lopez, like went. obviously team control. That's exactly what they've done multiple times over the past few years, most recently with Tyone. I mean team control, Snell's under team control next year for $16 million. That's a known quantity that you can just slot in uh, if, even if you do lose Tyone. Yeah, I mean, it's expensive, but it's it's kind of the going rate do you want a, for do you a want Tyone who's been in your Do you want Tyone who's been in your system and pay him probably less than that or a Blake Snell that, you know, he's... he's Tyone's you know, probably going to get about $16 million or maybe more. About, uh, maybe about AAV that. And multiple years. But you you do know more, I think, what you you get with him because he's been in the system. He's been working with with Blake, yeah. who may or may not be there. I assume he will be, but that well, is... Well, you might decide Blake Snell has better upside. Yeah. What's up, Logan? You know, with Blake Snell, though, if I may defend the move a little bit, the Padres don't need to be out of that for that to happen. He's the clue six starting pitcher. They're going six-man rotation right now. And A.J. Prelly has a rap of doing weird shit for <laughs> different... I mean, they they traded for Adam Frazier last year and was like, man, we don't really like this guy. And in the offseason, like traded him to Seattle because, you know, not because they weren't contending, just because, you know, they shuffle major league pieces. If it means that they feel like they could fill a hole somewhere else, they have a rap of doing that. And I don't disagree. I don't disagree. I, 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 I kind of admitted that. I qualified that. I think that they, I don't think Snell is that. Musgrove would be the guy. And, that you're but but also shedding 100%. 16 million for them next year would allow them to give Musgrove a, a contract, right? Like, no, sixteen million dollars is not going to make it. Helps. They're not afraid. The to Padres, spend. they got a lot of money on the books. They do have yeah. a lot of money on the books, right? So, so, so they're pot committed, right? Like they, they, they've, they've, 
they've been big on free agents over the last couple of years. Like, why stop now? Or maybe they will stop because that's like the thing I never get about mid-market teams. It's like you dip your toes in the water and then you're not willing to actually commit and go all the way. And then you find yourself in no man's land. It was like Cincinnati tried to do this a few years back when they acquired all Seattle of these. Seattle has done this a dozen guys. times like, over the past doing? 20 years. Yeah. What's the plan here? Like you, you actually think you're going to go from a 500 level team to a 500 team to, to a, a, con, a contender with these guys? Because you're screwing yourself for next year. No, I, I don't disagree. I, and I think Soto, Soto was the one guy that, you know, I could see, I, I think at least they're going one bullpen arm. Soto, we were, we were adding mm-hmm. another one to really solidify that. Um, and you're right. It does, it does add in some, some roster uh, situations, but again, like they figure it out. So if they don't do that second bullpen arm, wouldn't surprise me if they went over to Detroit, got Fulmer and that was the only thing that wouldn't surprise me. Is Fulmer under control next year? Is he, is he? No, he's a free he's agent. Free he's in the same situation as Robertson. I mean, Robertson's oh, going to be a little bit more expensive. Robertson, forever long he pitches, he's going to be one of these nomads just going team to team at this point. So he's never going to get more than a one-year contract. No, no, but my point is, is that Fulmer is in a contract yeah, here, yeah. so they're in the same situation. I also really like Chris Martin on the Cubs. We look mm. extensively into him. 6'10", he, Chris Martin? Is he 6'10"? I didn't even... Is this, yeah. this, is, is this the same You know Chris he Martin? pitched for the Yankees back in 2015? Yeah, I, I do. He's been in the league forever. But he's he, like, he profiles he's like 40 years old. He profiles as a total uh, Matt Blake would love this guy. <laughs> I love um, how a lot of us, a lot of our plans hinge on Matt Blake fixing the guy. <laughs> We're just probably. like, yeah, Matt Blake will take care of it. <laughs> Isn't Matt Blake in a contract fixed. year? Well, let yep. me yeah, be clear is. about he is actually the the one <laughs> thing that sign Matt Blake long term. Screw anyone else. I actually, I disagree with what you just said, because I think that what they're going to be looking for right now is someone that doesn't need to be fixed. That They, they need a guy that's more of a sure thing. They have plenty of these guys that can come up and potentially contribute. Who's the at, last at sure thing that, pitcher they acquired? I mean, you could argue Sonny Gray. Mm-hmm. You could, ar- you could argue Sonny Gray. Mm-hmm. Every pitcher, most pitchers that they've acquired in the past, call it six years, has been a project to some level. Sonny Gray was not a project at that point. I didn't Sonny say was, was every, a, I said most. Sonny Gray, you're right, was probably the closest thing to a sure thing that they have acquired pitching-wise in a very long time. Everyone else has needed to be fixed as a And Sonny Gray was trailer. 17? Yeah, what the hell is happening? It sounds like a train's going by. <laughs> um, Sonny Gray was 17, right? Mm-hmm. Th- that okay, was the I- last season where they were making moves to potentially... Win the World Series. Okay, Hap, so you're right. You're right. I, I Hap go was a short thing as well. Then they acquired Paxton. Yeah. That was a project. Tyone, obviously a project. Um, so, so they. It's not crazy for them to acquire another starting pitcher. Basically, buy, buying low on a guy who, if you can get to rebound to a form or fix to a certain level, then you maximize your value. That is a typical Cashman move. You know, yep. also. We kind of took a different approach to the 40-man for next year kind of thing. Every one of these deals that we uh, orchestrated could be done with guys that are Rule 5 eligible. And Cashman has proven that he loves to deal those guys at this point. Every, just about every guy except for one last year would have been Rule 5 eligible had he not traded them. That's why the Joey Gallo move, while it does sting, all those guys that are in the big leagues now for Texas would have had to been placed on the 40-man. And they just didn't have room for it. Um, same thing with the Rizzo deal. Now, Mike, I have a question. 
We we did do is, that for, in a different way. We just opened up spots. Right, so that right. You just did it. You so, just did it backwards. That's why I said right. we took a different approach. Now you you are trading um, Peraza. You said for Pablo Lopez. Are you sticking with IKF at shortstop for the rest of the year and just yes. waiting till Volpe is ready? And yeah, they're just, not they're not going to change the shortstop position at this point. I, I don't know why they would do that. Can they're, we talk about that for a second? Too big of a position. It's too big of a position to 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 mess with right now. And they don't need another utility guy. They have plenty. I agree. They don't need another guys. utility guy. But I mean, field, I mean, they could call up a shortstop. At, at right now, I, I don't think I don't see that happening. I don't see them calling up a shortstop. But I so we flirted around with Jose Iglesias. Like I thought, you, if you bring, who's having a very good offensive season uh, with Colorado, I thought that acquiring Jose Iglesias, like you shore up your defense, and and you could even slot IKF as the guy that plays third, basically all the infield positions, right? Um, but then we were looking at it, and number one, Iglesias's range has diminished quite a bit, and and Statcast does not love his defense. And then also we were looking at it, and Marwin Gonzalez is actually rated pretty good defensively. So it's like, are we even upgrading by doing that? No. Um, for for as I don't even want to call IKF bad because he has not been bad. For as mediocre as IKF has been, and frustrating at times with the weird defensive lapses. I don't know that there's really much you can do to upgrade that position. He's a clear upgrade from what we were last year, and well, he's not a problem at all. And I'm I don't think they're problem. going to address. There's one they're not problem going to address in this situation. There's one problem. problem in this yes. lineup. It's correct. If you can there fix the Joey Gallo's spot, if you can get Benintendi in Gallo's spot, I don't care Huge. what IKF does from the nine hole. As a, right, as right, right. Exactly. You put Benintendi, probably bat him sixth or seventh, right mm-hmm. ahead. You know, after Donaldson, call it. That, that, is, that is such a massive upgrade for this lineup. It's not even funny. You know, I like IKF. My 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 gripe with IKF and the reason that I kind of toyed with it was I don't care. I don't care about his bat. I don't care about the shortstop's bat at all. But I want every play to be made. And he, mm-hmm. I mean, his his your eye test is he's kind of just an okay shortstop. Mm-hmm. I mean, he botches some of the routine stuff. He makes some decent plays. You know, we even looked at Miguel Rojas on the Marlins. He's got, but mm-hmm. like, he's a crazy good defender, you know, in a contract year. Has played in Miami for a long time, so I'm assuming they're going to probably try and keep him and retain him longer than this year. But it was something that we talked about just because of how great his defense is. Yeah, I, I don't see them messing with a big a big uh, spot like that. To me, that's like, that's over-tinkering, in my opinion. Adding some more spots for depth purposes and understanding that you know, there's some young guys that maybe aren't ready for it. Okay, you can live with that. Um, you know, I was even thinking about it at one point. Or it didn't even come into our conversation, but it entered my mind. Is like, are they going to look at catcher depth at, at, at this? Like, can yeah. they upgrade? I, but again, I don't. I don't think they mess with that either because of the uh, of how the the guys work with the pitchers. And you just yeah. the way that the pitchers are going, you could you could upgrade on Higgy right now. But why? Why? Is, is there really a benefit for that? Bringing someone new into this? No. I no, didn't, we didn't. It was just that. it was a thought that entered my brain. It didn't get papered even a little bit, but it was something to to contemplate. Yeah, obviously, if Trevino goes down, that's I think a pretty big loss, as yeah. we established on the last episode. Scott thinks he's the MVP of the league, but I I think I think that uh, you just got to cross your fingers that both of those catchers stay healthy because there's not much you can do to upgrade it. Yeah, I mean they could they could go to Chicago and get a catcher if they needed one, but they they don't need one right now. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's that's the GM plans. 
I mean, we didn't really shit all over each other's plans. Maybe we talked about how some things are potentially unrealistic. I do like your plans. I think that's a lot. I think that if, if all that happens, that would be pretty stunning. If what do we think of all the moves? You we keep listed? saying all of that things that those things that happened, but there were the exact same amount of moves last year. Yeah, but they're more significant major league moves rather than just then like, adding uh, a starting first baseman and what they thought was a starting left fielder. Well, they didn't have those positions last year. <laughs> right, so. but those are significant chunks onto a team. Okay, fine. Of all those moves we just listed, which one is the actual most realistic? Robertson. I, 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 think, I think Robertson is very realistic, and I do think that there's a little bit of a veteran chirping uh, with, with that type of guy. Um, I don't think it happens a lot. Can I rephrase Benintendi, the question? I Realistic. Can I rephrase the question? Sure. If only one of those, ha- like, what what one move needs to Which happen? Which one do I want the most? Well, what one move needs to happen where you could be satisfied after the trade deadline? Where it, it, and I think we all agree it's getting rid of Joey Gallo and upgrading the outfield, right? If that does not happen, I don't think we're any of us are going to be satisfied with the trade deadline. I think that they're going to go after one more relief. They need another reliever too. They, Agree. they need a, 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 a solidified reliever. So Agree. If, if they, but if they don't if they came acquire out the, a bullpen arm, yeah. I don't think we're sitting here August first shitting all over them. If no, if, but I'm if saying on August first, Joey Gallo is playing right field, batting ninth. I think we're shitting all over them. Yeah, Joey Gallo's got to move. That he's got to figure that out. No doubt. Number one priority: get the, get out of the door. Uh, but I would be very, very surprised. And yeah, I would think that they missed an opportunity if they didn't upgrade someone in the in the bullpen. Yeah, acquiring a starting pitching pitcher does upgrade the bullpen as well. Like that can't be lost in this in this whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's that's a valid point. All right, well, that's it. Let us know on on Twitter at Yankees Podcast which plan you like best or which pieces of the plans you like best. Thank you, Logan, for for helping me with with our plan. I think our plan is great, and I think that if they do that, the Yankees are going to win the World Series. Scott, anything you'd like to say? Yeah, clearly our plan was better. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm very curious to see how it goes down. No, I am very curious to see how it goes down because I think it's going to be a very interesting month of July. Yes, and we decided to do this about a month before the trade deadline just in case some moves do happen. That, yeah. that wouldn't ruin our plans entirely. So, yeah, very much looking forward to the deadline. And uh, we will be back at you talking, probably do a, a uh, quick episode after this two-game series in Pittsburgh. We'll talk to you. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show... We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.